Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Man, road trip. I don't know about you guys, but I love road trips. At least uh, I used to a whole lot, and then the more you have to drive, you get kind of bored with it. But it's not all quite the same back in the day. You know, it wasn't quite as many interstates, and now you know, all, like, all you see is concrete and all that kind of good stuff. But one of the, the fun games I remember, before everybody had smartphones and could you know, just veg out and watch, uh, hopefully you don't do that while you're driving, but one of the things we could do when we were bored was we would read bumper stickers. Anybody ever do that? Maybe still you do. You know, bumper stickers can be pretty entertaining. There's some pretty funny ones out there. You know, everybody loves to put their stick figure families up. And I love when people, like, do little plays on those or show a dinosaur eating the stick figure family. That's, that's one of my favorites because I'm kind of sick and twisted like that. But you see funny bumper stickers and things on cars all the time. And it can really pass the time and kind of entertain you a little bit. And I I happened upon a theory years ago, and I I hope this isn't, you know, too controversial. But I I started realizing that there seems to be a pattern that if you're extremely um, liberal-minded or extremely conservative-minded, that sort of shows how many bumper stickers you're going to have. People who are really liberal-minded have a lot of bumper stickers, and people who are really conservative-minded have a lot of bumper stickers. Y'all ever notice that? Yeah, the people who I guess who are, are, are more moderately minded, they don't feel the need to scream their opinions at you doing 70 miles an hour down the, the highway. But anyway, I, you are offended by that? I'm sorry. I, I just, it's an observation. I noticed it. I, I noticed it. You know, it's like, you know, you either have all these really extreme ones on this side or these really extreme ones on this side. But either way, it gets a little entertaining. You know, you're stuck in traffic bumper to bumper. But one of the things we have here at Movement is we have little sort of bumper stickers, window stickers for you that have the Movement logo. And we'd love for you to grab some of those. I don't know if we have them in the back right now, but we can get them for you really quickly. But one of the things we do is we make you sign an agreement is that you will not drive like a maniac if you're going to put the movement sticker on your car. Now, we don't actually make you sign that, but if you know that you're going to struggle with it, we give you a magnetic sign that has another church names in town. When you drive crazy, you can slap that on your car, and that way they get all the bad, you know, symbols thrown at them and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, that church, you know. No, we don't really do that, but it might be an idea. Anyway. But bumper stickers, bumper stickers can tell you a lot about what somebody thinks. It can tell you anything from their hardcore beliefs, or it could just tell you, hey, they're a pretty easygoing, laid-back person. It, but it can tell you a lot about a person. It can tell you where they work, where their kids go to school, where they go to church, you know, what they enjoy doing, what they don't believe in, what they do believe in. And if you think about it, if you really think about it, we all have sort of bumper stickers on our lives on this road trip of life that we're on. We have things that sort of tip our hand and show people what we believe, what we think, by the way that we talk and the way that we act and the decisions and the choices we make. You understand where I'm going with that? You know, we sort of have bumper stickers on our lives that people can read as we go about our daily business. And what we do and what we say speaks volumes about us and what we hold dear. And honestly, all of us are are proclaiming something with our choices. We're proclaiming something or what we believe in or what's important to us by the decisions we make, by the way that we spend our time, by the words that we say, how we respond in different situations. We're proclaiming what we believe, what we think, what we feel, what's dear to us. And we're also proclaiming something with our indecision, 
We're proclaiming something with our silence. We're proclaiming something with our inaction. And so that leads us to the next topic on this road trip that we're on over these next few weeks and these past couple of weeks. We've been looking at finding our way back to God on this road trip of life and what it looks like to follow Jesus and and to come back to Him or come to Him for the first time. We've talked so far about faith and we've talked about repentance. And, And we sort of came away with the takeaway of this. Faith is believing who Jesus is and trusting Him with your life and soul. That's what faith is, a little simple explanation of that. Repentance is believing what God says about your sin and letting go of it and clinging to Jesus. We talked about how it's a, a turning around, it's a 180, it's facing, away, facing towards your sin and realizing it's wrong, hurting God, and running, turning around and running back to God. And today we're going to look at confession. Confession. Confession is saying the same thing God says about Jesus. He is Savior and Lord. That's ultimately what it is. That Greek word that's used there in the Bible many times, it literally carries the idea or the meaning of to say the same thing. Most of us, when we hear the word confession, though, what do we picture? We picture a guy or a person, a woman sitting in a chair in a little room, you know, very stark with a plain table, and there's a bright light shining there, and there's a detective who's leaning across the table, maybe having a little bit of spit flying in their mouth like may happen for me. That's why y'all don't sit in the front row, I guess. I just figured it out. I just figured it out. But anyway, he's leaning across the table, or the detective's leaning across the table, and they're like, where were you last night? Tell us what you did. Tell us what you did. Were you there last night when that person got hurt? You know, that's what we think of when we think of confession. Anybody else kind of normally just go to that sort of mindset? Y'all's imaginations aren't that good? Y'all should live in my head for a couple minutes. That was all. I would just caution you two minutes tops, then you got to step out. But anyway, that's where my mind goes when I think about confession. I think about Telling us what you did wrong. And that's a part of the word confession, especially in the English language. But when we're reading our Bibles and when we're talking about coming to Jesus and giving our lives to Him, when we see this word confession often translated in the Bible, and it's translated, depending on which translation you use, it's translated different ways. Sometimes it might say acknowledge. Sometimes it might even say profess instead of confess. But it says whatever, but that Greek word that was used literally carries the meaning of to say the same thing. And so when we read this word, as we look at what the Bible says, we're going to dig in a little deeper about what it means to confess Jesus. It were, that word acknowledge or confess or profess carries a lot of depth. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. I, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. And so just so you know, I'm not really changing something here. The English Standard Version uses the word acknowledge, so I just put in parentheses confess. Because if you go to the New American Standard or the King James Version of the Bible, they will use the word confess. And that's a, and a word that's been used for a long time. So here's what it says in Matthew 10, verse 32. Jesus says, So everyone who acknowledges or confesses me before men, I will also acknowledge or confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. This word is a, a Greek word that is, is said more in English, homologeo. And it literally, as I said, means to say the same thing, as in to say the same thing about Jesus that God the Father says. 
And so when Jesus in this account in Matthew chapter 10 says, if you confess me, if you say the same thing about me that my father does, then I will gladly say about you what you want me to say before my father. And ultimately, that would be, this one is one of mine. This one belongs to me. This one's been covered by my blood. So if we say, Jesus is God's Son, our Savior, our Lord, then He will say, this one is with me when it comes to the day of judgment. He will confess us if we first confess Him. So the question is, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Who do I say Jesus is? For, for those of us watching on Facebook, who do we say Jesus is? What you say, or excuse me, what do you say with your words and your life about Jesus? And you notice we threw in a little something there, right there. It says, what do you say with your words and your what? Your life about Jesus. There's a lot of opinions out there about Jesus that any of one of us could kind of fall into that camp and say, okay, well, maybe this is who Jesus is. And, and maybe some of them are, are partial descriptions of Jesus, but they aren't the place where we stop when we're talking about who Jesus is. Many people would say, well, Jesus is just a good teacher. He's like Confucius or, or Buddha or Aristotle or Socrates. You know, he's, he's a good teacher. He has some good ideas. You know, if you implement his teachings, you'll have a better life. You, you know, you'll get along with people better. You'll have less bumps in the road. And that's kind of interesting because normally it leads you to take up a cross and follow him. And it's not very smooth many times. But he's very much a good teacher, but that's not all he is. Or is Jesus fire insurance? And you may know what I'm saying by that, and I'll just explain it really quickly. A lot of us sort of treat Jesus, and I've been there in my life, we treat Jesus like he's fire insurance, is the only thing Jesus is good for is to make sure I don't burn in hell for all eternity. Hell is a place that we will go if we reject Jesus, and that's very much a, a thing we want to avoid. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to, I don't like, I got a, I got a cardboard paper cut on my pinky the other day. And it's all I can do not to tell you all about it. It hurts. I don't want, I don't like that pain. You know, I don't want flaming whatever forever and in pain and torture that never ends. I don't want that. I don't want to be distant from God for all eternity. I don't want any of that stuff, but that's not all he is. He's not just, okay, get us out of hell free card. He's not just fire insurance. He's not just a religious figurehead. You know, he's not just the religious leader of a group of believers. In a sense, he is, but that's not all that he is because there are many people who are that who are not even close to what Jesus is. He is, is he just maybe, and everybody listen really closely, is Jesus just another appointment on the calendar? I would say, and this is just me making an assumption, that most of us have struggled, will struggle, or do struggle right now with making Jesus be just that. That we struggle with saying that's really who Jesus is. We often won't say that with our mouths, with our words, but we'll often say it with our life. That Jesus is just another appointment on the calendar. And when you see those people that are just those CE Christians, you don't know what that is? 
Christmas and Easter Christians, we stand beside them so we can point at them. I'm not like them. I come four times a year. Bam, baby, twice as much. Woo! You know, <laughs> or, we're, or we're like, okay, I come, you know, I only miss half the year. You know? Or, you know, but we often, and even if we're there every Sunday, if we're there every time that a church gathers, you know, we have small groups, connect groups that meet during the week and have different activities. And even if we're there every single time, many times, even if we're there and we don't miss a time still to us in our hearts and in our minds and the way our lives speak, Jesus is just another appointment on the calendar. He's something that I do in addition to work, then in addition to hang out with friends, in addition to spend time with my family, fill in the blank. He is just another block on the calendar. But that's not all that Jesus is, and that should never be all that Jesus is. So what does God say about who Jesus is? Look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. It says, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. When Jesus was baptized to begin his ministry, and then right before he goes out into the desert and, and, and does all that fasting and the, uh, the, the devil comes and, and tempts him, he's there and God speaks, this is, the dove comes down and the, the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove, and he says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. God calls Jesus God. God the Father calls Jesus God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 and 15 says this, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. There's that word confess again. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he is in God. God the Father calls Jesus Savior of the world. He calls him the Savior of the world. Acts chapter 2 verse 36, we, we touched on this a little bit I believe last week. And the first time the gospel's ever preached, the apostle Peter stands up as the spokesperson. He's talking about how David had come along and how ultimately he tells them, that they had killed Jesus, who was more than they ever imagined. It says in verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. God the Father calls Jesus Lord and Savior. When he calls him the Christ, that means that he is the anointed one, the one that they had been waiting for for a few thousand years, their Savior that was coming along into the world. He was Savior and Lord, and that's what God the Father says. He calls him his Son, which means that he is God. He calls him the Savior of the world, and then he calls him Lord and Savior there. And there's many other examples we could turn to, but those are just a few to get us going. And so here's the thing. If God the Father calls Jesus our Savior and Lord, what does that mean for us? If God the Father calls Jesus our Savior and our Lord, what does that mean for us? It means if we want Jesus to confess us before the Father in heaven, then we must say the same thing about God, I mean about Jesus that God says about him. We must confess Jesus as Savior and as Lord. 
just like Peter did when he asked, Jesus asked who the disciples thought Jesus was. And it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, beginning there, it says, He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, this confession that you've just made, this grand truth, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Paul tells his, uh, talks about his Jewish brethren. He's saying in Romans, he says, if they want to be saved, they needed to trust and confess that Jesus was the Christ. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then as Paul writes to Timothy, when he began to, uh, reminding him when he began to follow Jesus in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's saying we need to be able to say the same thing with our words that God says about Jesus. Is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus King? Is Jesus Savior? And I hope and pray all of us say amen. I hope that we feel it with all of our heart. We're called to say the same thing, that Jesus is Lord and Savior of our lives. And not just a segment, not just a few days out of the month, not just a day out of the week, but of our entire lives. Sometimes it's hard to say that Jesus is Lord. You know, in the right or wrong circumstance, it's hard sometimes to speak up and say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I've told many of you uh, the story about when I was at uh, East Carolina University before I was, uh, gave my life back to Jesus. I had become a Christian and then walked away and got involved in some messed up stuff. And uh, when I was still just really struggling, I knew that I was wrong. I was heading to class one morning. It was cold. And I remember I was walking across the street and it was for an 8 a.m. class. So it was fairly early and nobody was really stirring around. And there was a, another person, a, a, a woman walked out, a girl walked out down the street and we were going to meet on the opposite side of the sidewalk and I had come out of this building that had this big sign that said campus Christian fellowship and so I was already nervous about that because hey maybe she saw me came out come out and so I walked out and we met there on the opposite side of the street and I was walking along in silence because it was eight and I didn't want to talk to anybody and she looks over at me and she says hey are you a part of that Christian group and I panicked I was like well I mean, she'd seen me come out of it, the building. And I was like, well, not really. I'm not like them. And I was like, dodge that bullet. And then the next words out of her mouth was, oh, man, that's too bad. I go to this other campus ministry here on campus. You should come check ours out. And it was like I heard the rooster crow. You know, thankfully it was somebody who already believed in Jesus, but I had an opportunity to confess that Jesus was my Lord and I rejected him. I rejected him. And so sometimes it's hard to say the words that Jesus is Lord, that you follow Jesus, that he is your Lord, that he is your Savior. But it's often not that difficult to say those words. 
but it's a whole nother thing to what? To live them. To live those words. It's a difficult thing to let your actions show that Jesus is Lord and Savior. I mean, I can say all I want that I'm an Olympic swimmer until I'm blue in the face. But if I have to swim a couple laps in the Olympic pool, I will be blue in the face. And it will be proven that I am not an Olympic swimmer. Just because I say it doesn't mean that it's true. Because I can say it, I can say it with all the, the, the fire that I can stir up within me. I am an Olympic swimmer, but until my actions show it, it is not true. You have to say the words and you have to show the words. Because here's what happens. The Bible teaches us that confession is also done with our lives, with our actions and our choices. Titus chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, it says this. Paul writes to the young preacher and he says, To the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and the unbelieving nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. He's talking about people who claim to be followers of Christ and who say all the right things, but their lives don't back it up. And here's what he says. They profess. Guess which word that is? The word we use, confess. Homologeo. That same word. They confess or profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. So we can say that we love Jesus. We can say He's Lord. We can say He's Savior. But if our actions don't back it up, it doesn't mean hardly anything. Am I right? It's that same word there, confess. Jesus throws a wrench in the plans of anybody who wants to simply call Jesus as Lord and think that they're covered by the blood of Jesus when he says in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And then cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So it's not even enough to just do the big showy things. It has to come out of your heart and your actions. How do you love people? How do you treat people? Do your choices and your priorities and your calendar and your wallet show that Jesus is Lord and King? It's not enough to just say it. It needs to be shown by what we do and how we live. Jesus made it clear. Simply calling him Lord meant nothing if you don't follow his will. So if we truly confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior, it has to be heard from our lips and seen in our lives. I could stand up here and I could try to come up with a hundred different ways because most of us, most of us probably walk in here and once we hear this or came in with the idea that Jesus is Lord and yes, I want to, I'm supposed to live that way, but then when it comes to actually living it, it's a lot harder, isn't it? Because when you get stuck in a tough situation and you've got to decide what to do with your decision making, you just go right into the same old habits if you're like me. Is anybody else like me? And if you haven't prepared and thought and you haven't figured out, how am I going to respond to the situation? You just go right back to the same old ways. And so I could stand up here and I could come up with a, a hundred different ways, but I would probably do a hundred and you would add a hundred and one or two or three because I didn't touch on anything that 
really relates to you. So I believe the simplest way to say, how do we live out our confession, I believe can be found in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, it's what we call the hall of faith. And it tells of many faithful people who confess Jesus, not just with their words, but their lives. And I'm going to challenge you to, to go home and read that chapter. I don't care how many times you've read it. Go home and read it. But I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 with me this morning and 14. It's already talked about a few of these heroes of the faith. And it says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged. Guess what word that is? Homologeo, confessed. Having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. These people of faith lived a different life. They did crazy, faith-filled things that looked insane because they knew that this world was not their home and they were waiting for ultimately Jesus. They may not have been able to say the name Jesus at that point in time because he had not come and been born in the flesh yet, but they were looking to Jesus because they knew that he would ultimately take them to their one true home. And so they confessed by the, what they said and the way they lived. And so I challenge you to read this entire chapter. But this little section reminds us that they lived in radical, faith-filled ways. They confessed that they didn't belong here. They said it with their words, but more so they said it with their lives. They went when God said go. You look at Abraham. They sacrificed when it was terrifying. There again, Abraham, we sit there and we argue with God when God calls us to give up some little toy or trinket that we think is so valuable and God called him to lay his son on the altar. You know what I say to me and you when we whine? Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> God will call us to bigger things if we will trust him. And we think we've had it hard. You just don't know what some people have done to follow Jesus and so they sacrificed when it was terrifying. They stood and they fought when they were outnumbered. And we often think five people standing with us isn't enough. They were rejected by this world. I will admit it. I will admit it. It's scary to think about standing alone. It's scary to think about sacrificing more than I already sacrificed. It's scary to think about where is God going to ask me to go? Sometimes the most terrifying place to go is across the backyard to talk to your neighbor across the fence. But it's scary to think about these things. I'm not standing up here saying that I've got it all figured out, that I don't have any fear. And these people had fear. They were not comic book characters. They were not, you know, cartoons. They were not veggie tales. <laughs> they were real people who had fear, but they still followed in the face of fear because they trusted God and they knew, they confessed that he was king and Lord of their life. It's scary to think about that scary part of following in difficult circumstances that when we confess Jesus. And honestly, that's why many don't do it. They'll say Jesus is Lord, but it doesn't show up in their lives. And that's why I believe Jesus said to so many people that even did things like miracles in his name, he'll say, depart from me because not many of us will follow with our lives. So the truth is this, if you want to spend forever with Jesus, 
If you want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. If you want to hear Jesus say, yes, this one's with me. Yes, this one is my child who's been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. If you want to hear these things, you have to confess him before people. And he will joyfully confess you before his Father. Let's draw our minds back to Revelation. In Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. Jesus is saying here is recorded by John. He says, remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and I will never blot out his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Jesus says it again. He doesn't say people that get their life perfect. He doesn't say, you know, people that know all the answers and they can beat you in sword drills. You know, that's when you call out a scripture verse, first person to turn to it, because, I mean, a lot of us would be out of that, right? He doesn't say to, that you know all the right things to say and that you never say a bad word when you're in traffic. He doesn't say all these people that have everything perfect. What he says is those that cling to me, those that show that I am Lord and I am Savior of their life, those are the ones that I will confess before my Father and His angels. And so if we confess Jesus with our mouths and we confess Jesus with our lives and our hearts, He'll say the same thing about us one day that is made true by His blood. This one is a child of God. He or she is forgiven and free. They belong to me. And on this road trip of life, What do people say when they read your bumper stickers? Think about it with me for a second. What would people say from your decisions in the words that you say or the words you don't say or the things you don't do? Do they come away knowing about your honor student or your Yorkie or that your other car is a Millennium Falcon? Or that you'd rather be fishing? Or do they come away knowing that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior? When they rub elbows with you in this life and are on this road trip, this journey with you, do they come away knowing everything about this earth that's important to you or everything waiting for heaven, waiting in heaven for you? Do they walk away knowing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And even more importantly, do they walk away knowing that He can be theirs too? Ultimately, confession is saying what God says about Jesus. He's Savior and He's Lord. And as you step down from the throne of your heart, Jesus can rule your heart. It's ultimately just simply saying, Jesus is Lord and King and Savior of my life. We talked about what biblical faith is. It's more than just 
making a decision. It's more than just assent. It's trusting God with your life. We talked about repentance, turning away from sin. That's not getting your life perfect and, you know, making sure that you don't have any sin in your life. That's just saying, I let go of my sin and I turn to Jesus. And we talked today about confessing, saying that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is Savior, not just with your mouth, but with your heart, with your life and your actions and your thoughts and everything that you do. And we're going to talk about over these next few weeks about when we meet Jesus in baptism with all of that combined, he washes away our sin. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He makes us new and clean and free. You can have a new life today. You can say that Jesus is Lord and Savior and it will be true. And people can watch your life and they can know which way to go to be able to hear those same words. This one's with me. If you've got somebody that you want to pray for, or if you need somebody to pray for you, or you need to say, I need to give my life to Jesus today, I'll be right over here off to the side. And we'd love to talk with you about everything that that entails. But who do you say Jesus is? Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.